Does the word detox confuse you? Are you tired of all the myths and misinformation out there? We're bringing you an opportunity to learn how to detox differently. Featuring the dynamic duo, Allison Barrett and Ashley Furlong from Sela Wellness and me, as we dive deep into what detoxing actually means, shatter common detoxing myths, and shine light on the body's natural healing powers by going into detoxing your body, your mind, and your home. Learn how taking control of your health from the foods that you eat to what you allow in your mind and what you allow in your home can support both your short and long-term health. Mark your calendars Thursday, July 20th at 8 p.m. for the Detox Differently free workshop. Go to www.selabwellness.com forward slash detox dash differently. That's www.selahbewell.com forward slash detox dash differently because wellness starts from within. We'll see you there. My name is Jessica Brennan, and I am obsessed with all things clean living and helping you lead a clean, healthy lifestyle that doesn't have to be hard, expensive, or time-consuming. I'm a mama of twin boys who found some really scary ingredients in the natural body wash we were using and turned my outrage into passion to help others eliminate toxins from their daily lives. Listen in on honest conversations and learn the best tips and tricks to take control, simplify, and rid toxins from your mind, body, spirit, and home. If you're ready to take the plunge into clean living, but aren't quite sure where to start, you are in the right place. This is the Clean Living Made Easy Podcast. Welcome. Today's episode is for all the new moms and soon to be new moms out there. We are talking to Tiff D. Tiff is a postpartum educator, mindset coach, and owner of Fourth Trimester Revolution. Her mission is to create a supportive community and provide comprehensive resources that empower moms to redefine societal expectations, challenge harmful narratives, and cultivate self-compassion. By fostering a space for growth, she aims to guide mothers in navigating the transformative journey of motherhood with confidence, resilience, and a strong sense of identity. Through education, advocacy, and connection, she strives to inspire a collective shift toward embracing diverse experience and promoting the holistic well-being of mothers and their babies. On a personal note, as a mom who went through postpartum depression and could have used someone to help me navigate the world of being a new mom of twins, I'm really excited to have this conversation to help other moms hopefully get some tips and support to help them through their journey. To get started, Tiff, tell us a little bit about yourself and what inspired you to start Fourth Trimester Revolution. So I have a very layered story of how I came to this world of birth. Uh, my first baby, I lost my first baby at 22 weeks. I had um, bacterial vaginosis. It was undiagnosed. And, um, you know, my water broke. I had no idea what happened to me. I was completely clueless. He was born the next day, lived for a short, like 10 minutes. And at that time, I was so clueless about everything, pregnancy, birth related. So from there, I just kind of dove into like what happened, what went wrong, what didn't I know. Of course, I blamed myself. And I became sort of obsessed with like, all the stuff you talk about on your podcast, you know, like clean living. I was like convinced it was, you know, my fault that this had happened. And um, so that took me down this rabbit hole. Um, then I ended up taking my, my childbirth education class that was really extensive, 12 weeks long before I was even pregnant again. So that's how I was like, I am not making any of the same mistakes again. So um, I did finally got pregnant. I had, uh, that baby was IVF. He, we ended up having secondary infertility. So I've literally had like all the challenges. 
with him, um, milk supply issues. He was a slow gainer. Um, he, he was supposed to be born at home. He turned, it was a C-section because he was breech. So this was overwhelming for me. I was completely not prepared. I was 35 years old already at this time and coming out of the traumatic birth experience and like really just having my entire life flipped upside down. I struggled immensely postpartum. I didn't enjoy it at all. I was constantly on edge, just worried about everything. Like I was obsessed with nap scheduling. I was, no one else could calm my baby, but that was, you know, I realized now because I wouldn't allow it. So it was really, really hard for me, but you know, I didn't realize I had any issues. I just thought I was a bad mom and an an angry person at that point. So um, about three years or so after he was born, I had been to multiple therapists trying to figure out what the hell was wrong with me. And uh, finally somebody said, oh, I think you had undiagnosed postpartum anxiety. I was like, I had never even heard of this. All the research I had done, I was already a, a childbirth educator. I had never even heard of postpartum anxiety. Luckily now it's spoken about a lot more, but back then I was like, oh, but like we were just talking before you started recording, I felt like relief that, oh, I'm not just a bad mom and an angry person. There's something going on. So then um, I'm going to make this as quickly, as quick as I can. My next baby wasn't born until five years later because I was so really afraid. I mean, he was also IVF, so that I was didn't want to get back into too, but I was so afraid of having another really horrible postpartum. Uh, in the meantime, I had been practicing as a birth educator, a doula, and a placenta encapsulation specialist. So I had a whole sort of like force behind me this time. He was born at home. Everything was different. So I had a much, much better postpartum. Um, but as I'm working with other moms through their postpartum, even with all the strategies they're putting in place, as far as like the placenta pills and, and, and everything else, I'm still realizing so many of my clients were just deeply struggling, feeling isolated and overwhelmed and not having the support they need. And so once COVID hit, I really started to dive into like, what can I do more? I need to do more because obviously we're, we're missing something. Way too many women are struggling with postpartum depression, anxiety, and just all the things. So that's how I came up with this program, which I literally just launched a few months ago. This is brand new out of the gate, um, but it's, it's something that's needed. There's literally, it's, it's a whole there's, we do birth prep, we do breastfeeding prep, we do, um, you know, all the other things we cover, but it's like, then you're like, here's the baby, go home, good luck, see in six weeks, and you can have sex now in six weeks. And that's the end of our postpartum care in this country. So um, I'm really hoping that we can start talking more about it. And more women will realize that you don't have to struggle. You know, it's not a necessary thing. Yeah. And I like how, you know, this time period is now being referred to as the fourth trimester. So I think that helps to kind of frame that narrative of like, once the baby is here, that does not mean it's over. And my experience, you know, dealing with postpartum, had I had that information beforehand and kind of had um, an idea of what to look out for as far as, you know, not just thinking that everything is, you know, the not everything was like the happiest thing in the world. There was many, there was a lot of happiness. Yes. We don't want to discount that, but there's also a whole lot of struggles and to not be able to address that, um, was definitely a a contributor to getting to the point where I was in that state of depression and didn't even realize it. So, and for you, that anxiety comes from that. I mean, you had so much that had happened leading up to that, that it's no wonder that you had postpartum, right? Yes. Yes. 
I think this is really, really important. And I'm really excited that we're having this conversation. Like I said, I think I could have definitely used mm -hmm. a TIF back when I was <laughs> in that fourth trimester, yes. back when my boys were born. So yes. a little bit more about the uh, major unreal unrealistic ideals and toxic narratives no. that we're talking about, but kind of dive into that a little bit more. Yes. Yes. Encounter. Yes. And it's so interesting because I think so much of this stems from social media, but I also think the answer is coming from social media. I feel like the discussion is happening, you know, especially in TikTok where women are sharing like the stories we just shared with each other and they're just putting it all out there. And so, so many women are feeling now supported thanks to social media. But of course there's the dangers that come along with that. <clears throat> Sorry with that, like this whole idea of the perfect mom, right? Like we see, or that's why I tell clients like curate your social media feed if it's anything that looks perfect, just do not follow. But like, you know, we, we see these little snippets of people's lives and we, we flash through and we think, oh, everybody's got it so easy. So there's this idea of, it's like a performance, right? And I tell this story a lot of when I first had my baby, I, I was three weeks out. My first friend from kindergarten had her baby three weeks after me. Now it was her second baby and she formula fed. I was breastfeeding. She was, um, you know, she had her baby in a pack, pack and play. Nat mine hadn't slept anywhere but on me. But I got to her house. I was completely disheveled. I don't think I had showered, you know, in a, in a week. <laughs> and she, my baby cried the whole way in the car. I was overwhelmed. And, and, I, and she opens the door. She looks beautiful, hair done, wearing heels. Like house smells like candles and brownies. Like she literally had baked brownies. And I was like, oh my God, what am I doing wrong? So, and I feel like so many women have this pressure to look like they've got it all together and look perfect. Like they want to appear as if it's perfect, but we know it's not perfect for anyone, right? Um, and then there's the whole bounce back culture of like, I got to get back in my pre-pregnancy clothes at, you know, six weeks, I still have a mom pouch. Like, hello, like your body just went through this amazing transformation. It's completely normal that it will not look the same for quite some time, if ever, and who cares, right? Um, super mom, the super mom thing, super mom syndrome, like we, I did it to myself. It's like, we want to believe that we can do it all. And uh, because we've been told from when we were very little, you can do it all, you can have everything you want. And it's like, no, I mean, you can, you can have it all, but you can't have it all and still be sane. That's my opinion. Like yeah. you can't do it all wonderfully, you know, something's going to give somewhere. So, but again, it's like this unrealistic ideal that women are um, trying to live up to. We have this concept in our culture of like, once you become a mom, that's your identity that's first. Like, how dare you put your career ahead of your kids or how dare you, um, you know, prioritize your relationship with your partner. Again, I bought into all this stuff. So this is absolutely not coming from a place of judgment, but we, we have this idea that like, we should be able to be mom first and be everything else is like later if you get to it. And I think that really feeds into a lot of the mental health challenges that women are having, especially because so many women having babies later, they've had careers, they've had lots of freedom, right? Like you have a baby at 22 straight out of college, it's very different than having 15 years of freedom to do whatever you want by yourself and sit on your couch for as long as you want. And then suddenly it's like, oh my God, what happened in my life? It's totally right. um, flipped upside down. Um, and then the, the comparison thing too, right? Like we're constantly comparing and the whole world is always telling you whatever you're doing is not good enough, right? <laughs> like you formula feed, you're lazy, you breastfeed, you're weird. Like, like there's like some negative narrative that goes along with any choice you make. 
Um, and we're always comparing. And so part of what I teach is like, we got to all tap into our own inner gut wisdom and just close out the rest, like tune in and tune out. And that's the end of it. Like once we can stop comparing to what everyone else thinks is the right way to do it, so much more peace, you know? So true. I remember when my boys were babies and I try to be very conscious of this now that I'm, you know, 13 years out, but every single person had an opinion on what I should and shouldn't do. And I know it comes from a place of caring and wanting to be helpful and supportive, but it totally discounts the, what do you want? And very, very rarely did that question ever come up. Like, this is what I did, but you know, it may not be for you. I would love to hear what your thoughts are. You know what I mean? Like, oh my God. I just think yeah. that that needs to be more because there are so many options, right? And like you said, none of them are the wrong option. Right. If somebody tells you that it is, doesn't necessarily mean that it is. Yeah. I think it's great to share that information with each other. But I also think a lot of times it's framed in like, this is what you should do. This mm-hmm. is the right answer. And yeah. the, this is what worked for me. And I know there's other options. You know 100%. I mean? Yeah, I talk about this a lot. Um, the unsolicited advice, because in reality, unsolicited advice is criticism. There's no way around it. It's like, I see what you're doing. I don't trust your decision making. And so I'm going to tell you, here's how you should do it, because you're not doing it right. And, and people try to frame it like that they are being helpful. But um, I just know, I think it's really it's criticism. And if people would really look inward and say, wait, why do I feel the need to tell her to do it this way? They would realize that too. They are criticizing. Um, And a lot of times they're also feeling inadequate or insecure about their own decisions. So they're like, okay. And I know I did this a lot in the the beginning. It was like, I I was on a constant, I felt like I always had to prove to everybody that I was doing it right. And so it was like, here's why, here's why. It's like, but I'm sure it came off as criticism of other people's, you know, choices. And the other thing, like, like piggybacking off of what you said, I feel like also when women do reach out for help so often, this happens a lot with breastfeeding, where you'll say like, I'm really struggling. And everybody's first answer is, oh, get formula. It's okay. It's okay. And it's like, we ignore what women might want. Like what you just said, Mm -hmm. what do you want? So if you tell me I want to breastfeed, then I'm going to bend over backwards to get you where you need to be and give you the support you need. If you're like, I want to feel this, this, and this, like, and then formula is the answer for you. That is also what I'm going to do. And I'm going to support you, but we fail to ask women, like you just said, we don't say, what do you want? And whatever she wants is okay. Every, with everything, it's always for me about informed choice, informed consent. I don't care. We say like, if you want to give birth, like in a hot tub under the full moon or a plan C-section, it doesn't matter to me. What matters is that you've had all the information and that you have been able to make an informed decision. It pisses me off when people are, you know, misled and given wrong information, then I'm like, no, that's not cool. Cause I know that's not what you wanted. Right. Right. Well, and that directly links to what I do with this podcast and what I do with my job, like clean living in general is about that in and of itself. It's a, it's a commitment to doing research and making the best mm-hmm. decision for you and not just, you know, in, in my case, with my clients, uh, going to a product that says it's all natural organic and trusting that it is. So mm-hmm. it happens all around us. Oh my God, <laughs> I know. Like- and it's so frustrating and it's overwhelming and that it's also divisive and it's 
it makes no sense to me, honestly, really, because it's like, we know there are facts. <laughs> Can't we just hold these companies accountable? Can't we hold care providers accountable? You know, like, like asking questions is the us. worst thing in the world, right? Oh, like, oh my the world God. is not black and white. We need to embrace the exactly. gray. <laughs> it would be so nice if it could be like, if they would all just be responsible though, and we didn't have to add this to our very long list of things to do already, you know? I know. <laughs> if you could just go to the store and trust that the food that says it's healthy is healthy, it would be amazing. Yeah, I know. <laughs> well, you know, that's why I started my podcast. So someday our children hopefully won't have to do that. I mean- uh -huh. That's why we're all doing the work that we do, right? Exactly. The world a little bit better than what we, you know. Hey there, Jessica here, ready to make cleaning at home a breeze while also playing your part in protecting our planet. Let me introduce you to a game changer, the Force of Nature system. I have been using Force of Nature for years and love how it uses a unique technology to transform simple ingredients, water, a capsule of salt, vinegar, and water, and a slight charge of electricity into a household cleaner and disinfectant that's as effective as traditional bleach. But here's the thing, it does all of this without any harmful chemicals or irritants. It's hypoallergenic and EPA registered for disinfecting and sanitizing. It eliminates 99.9% .9 of germs, including viruses, bacteria, mold, and mildew. Force of Nature is more than just a powerful cleaner. It's a sustainable solution that helps you to reduce waste. Say goodbye to single-use plastic bottles and say hello to Force of Nature's eco-friendly system. So why wait? Head over to cleanproductjunkie.com forward slash Force of Nature and get the latest exclusive coupon codes that can save you up to 50%. Step into a cleaner, safer, and greener home with Force of Nature. Let's dive into this a little bit, like take it into the next yeah. um, air deep. Like we're talking about all of this as far as the narratives and, you know, really driving home that like it really is up to us to take control of these certain situations. If you know, you're a new mom, like knowing mm -hmm. that you have it within you to make these choices and not listening to everything that comes your way of taking what, what serves you and leaving the rest kind of thing. Yes. But let's talk about that on the next like layer. What impact, yeah. What in impact can, um, these like toxic narratives really have on the well-being of the mother. Like we've kind of talked oh, about that. In my case, it led to me, you know, dealing with postpartum depression because yeah. I didn't really feel like I had the support that I needed. And I didn't really know how to advocate for myself and ask for that support. So um, in addition to that, and you can dive into that as well a little bit deeper, but what are other implications of of really not um, empowering women to really take, yeah. take charge of this time in their lives? I mean, I think you do. You just wrapped it up like it is. It's it's our maternal mental health. And there is a maternal mental health crisis in this country. You know, it's up to 20% of women struggle with some sort of perinatal mood or anxiety disorder. Um, that's a lot, right? Like, and that's the ones that are diagnosed. I was going right? to say, I would venture yes. to say probably even more than that, because a lot yes. of people don't seek um, right. support yes. for it. Yeah. It's like, I forget the statistic. It's something it's, it's a ridiculous number but a lot of them do not get diagnosed and or treated um because like you just said you probably didn't know that that's what it even was i know i didn't know what it was so so many of us without knowing what to look for our partners don't know what to look for we don't know what to ask for so we just suffer in silence so you know and even if it doesn't get to the level of postpartum anxiety or or depression um you know it's it's a day to day chipping away at your your self esteem your self worth which then affects every other decision that you make in your life. When your your self-worth is low, um, you're not going to set boundaries around your time. 
And so then your partner is going to go about their life and you're going to feel like you need to do everything to make up for the fact that maybe you're not earning an income right now, or, you know, you have to be, you know, just, you have, this is your role now, you have to do it perfectly. So there's no room for anything else. So, you know, once your self-worth is low, your boundaries are non-existent, um, your confidence is lower. Of course, all of this is going to affect the way you bond with your baby and it will affect your baby. And again, I don't, I'm never trying to come off as like, look out, if you don't do what I say, you're going to suffer. Like, that's not my message. But for myself, I can say right now, having a 13 year old and having a horrible postpartum with him versus a more empowered postpartum with my eight-year-old, the two of them, and of course, kids are always night and day, but but the first one, I couldn't handle his crying. My anxiety did not allow me to handle his crying. So I would hold him thinking I'm doing the right thing because I'm being responsive, but I'm also holding him like clenched, you know, I'm like nervous and stop crying, that kind of thing. And uh, that child will not cry. He will talk to me about it. He's like, I don't know. I just, I don't want to show my emotions. I don't want to cry. The other one, he'll cry standing up on a stage and show everybody that he's crying and say, look at me, like, because I was calmer then. I was able to just hold him and let him feel his emotions. And so the way that we experience our postpartum, of course it affects us, but it also affects our babies. And that's what I talk about this because as moms, so many times we don't prioritize ourselves. And the only way we can get a mom to sometimes take care of herself is to say, listen, it's not just about you. It is about your baby too. So yeah, it affects the way that we bond with our babies and it affects their well-being also. And and this is why it's so disgusting and repulsive to me that this country basically turns a blind eye to women during the fourth trimester because it's it's just generational cycles of, of trauma. And um and it's and it's not hard. That's my whole thing is like when I finally sat down and I so I have this fourth trimester action plan and we'll talk about that a little bit, I'm sure, but like when I finally sat down and outlined everything, you know, I had read bazillion books and taken all these different trainings. And I was like, let me just get this into visually, like, what is it that we need? It's eight steps. It's eight simple steps that everyone can do on their own. You don't even have to invest money for most, for the most part, of course, if you have it to go see a therapist, fantastic. But like, there's so many actionable steps that we can all take in our own little homes, in our own corner of the world, we don't have to, you don't have to hire a billion people to support you. Like, this is what enrages me. It's like, this is easy. It's, it's not rocket science. There's no excuse for not having the support. The part to drive home on that is that other countries are really um, set up to embrace the fourth trimester, whereas here in the United States, we're not. And I think that's the most important thing to take away from this is that Mm -hmm. this is essential for women to have support Mm -hmm. here. And it's like you said, is not that difficult. when you have the tools that you need. So let's dive into that. Can you give us just like a little sample of what people can do in order to help support themselves? Because I think the other thing I want to just kind of say, and you did allude to this already, but like, because we're set up for this, right? We're set up for, we're essentially set up for failure. And like, just understanding that there are resources and things you can do to help support your health, put that oxygen mask on yourself first, right? Mm-hmm. So you can show yeah. up and be the best yes. mother and caretaker and friend and all the things, all the hats we wear, right? Mm-hmm. That we can be and know that this is not our fault. And I think that's a huge thing that lots of new moms struggle with is yeah. that feeling of guilt. Yeah. So what are a couple of things that, that people can do to help to support themselves okay. this time? Yeah. So, so, I mean, I, this is where I can kind of break down my action plan, right? So 
the first part I talk about is like laying your foundation, right? So a lot of us, we just, <clears throat> we skip over a lot. Right? We just were like, oh, I'm pregnant. And you sign up for your weekly emails that tell you like which food size your baby is that week. And it's like, you're so excited. But mainly like the way we plan for our babies in this country is we do a registry and we like pick out like the beautiful nursery and we match our vibe and it's so exciting. And all of that is fun and exciting, but we skip the, the big stuff, right? So the, the main thing is, and I know a lot of women, maybe not a lot of people that listen to your podcast, because you do have more natural minded folks, but like a lot of women just completely skip over planning for a birth at all. And, and like we said earlier, it's, it's about being informed, knowing like what interventions are going to come at you. And the reason I talk about birth for postpartum education is because we all know a traumatic birth experience or a, an experience in your birth that you didn't plan for that's that's starting you out for your postpartum. So starting off on the right foot already. So you've got to plan for the birth. You cannot just ignore it because unfortunately in this country, again, the maternal healthcare system is not set up in a way that is beneficial for us. We have to be completely informed. We have to be prepared. And I don't want you to think, you know, we got to go into it like it's a battle zone, but in some places it is, unfortunately. So well, um, I'm sorry, can I add to that yes, just a little bit? Like absolutely an example that kind of came to mind as you were saying that, for example, when I was pregnant, I knew I was going to have a C-section for a multitude of reasons, um, health related. And so my doctor suggested that I do that. And I, you know, thought about it long and hard and, and decided, you know, that he, he didn't say you have to do this, but it was right. like, these are the reasons why I think you should do it. So once I decided that and in conjunction with my doctor, the information I wish I had known at the time, and this goes to the postpartum part, is like mm -hmm. that this was going to set me up. I wanted to breastfeed like mm -hmm. so, so like that was my mm -hmm. intention. That's what I wanted to do. I did not know that having a C-section and with twins, my it was going to be super challenging for me to yeah. do that. Yeah. So after my boys were born, I tried really, really hard for six weeks and everyone's mm -hmm. like, it's okay to do formula. It's okay to do formula. Mm -hmm. I was one of those people that did not want to do formula. Right. Eventually I caved in. I didn't get the support that I needed, exactly. but I also prepared for that battle beforehand. So I think right. what we're talking about is that like yes. just knowing that there are going to be challenges postpartum yes. that you can prepare for on some level. Exactly. You got it. hundred percent. And yeah, and that's the story that you just told is the story that women tell over and over and over again. And again, like you said earlier, it's not that hard. Like they could have simply sat you down and said, here's the things that you want to think about. And like you said, prepare for it. And that's part of informed consent and informed decision-making. So, but again, we don't know, you don't know what to look for. So it's hard to do your own research because you don't, that's not something that would even have crossed your mind. Well, and also before my boys were born, I had all the yes. time on, in the world. I was on bed rest. Like I could have done all of the research. Right. Yeah, <laughs> like, so trying to at least prepare myself a little bit better. Mm -hmm. um, whereas after they were born, I was literally just trying to get through every That's minute the every problem, day. right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's the problem is like, I always tell people, you know, even if you don't have a therapist now, get get in touch with a therapist before your baby is born because the last thing you need to be doing postpartum is trying to call your insurance, figure out who takes what, who has openings, like interviewing. No, do that all ahead of time. So, so yeah, so, so that's the, we'll plan for the birth. Um, and then ha just familiarizing yourself with babies, right? Like we're never going to be able to plan fully for like how to care for a baby, but you can take infant cl classes, like infant care classes, just simple stuff. Or even for me, like I just say, just get one book, one, like I say, the Dr. Sears baby book. It's just really fat. It got everything in it because that helps you not go down 
2 a.m. rabbit holes on Google or hashtag like one resource <laughs> because that way you have something to look to. And then also a, a very important thing that all women can do. There's a new registry. It's called Be Her Village. And it is a registry where women can like you can put doula services, birth education, breastfeeding prep, um, meal delivery services, massage, all the things, pelvic floor therapy. So you can actually register for these services. And I tell everyone, right, because we stock our registries with half the stuff we don't need, half yeah, the stuff you we need for a day. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, yeah that's one thing. One of these to last you yeah, a lifetime exactly. and use them for like it's a few insane. months. <laughs> insane, insane. So Be Her Village is one step that everyone can take because then people can literally they just can pay towards it. So it's not like one person has to pay for your whole, um, you know, doula package, but people can contribute 50 bucks to this and that. So you'll have services. That's the thing you need after your baby comes. You don't need every apparatus under the sun. I also tell people you don't even need a crib until months out because so many of us don't even end up using the crib. So why are you wasting the money on the crib? Get a, get a cleaning person, hire someone to walk your dogs. Like if that's going to stress you out, but these are all things that we don't think about. Um, Hey friends, it's your host, Jessica. I'm sure like me, you're passionate about creating a healthy, safe home for your loved ones. Did you ever hold a product in your hand trying to make sense of the long list of ingredients that seem to require a PhD to understand? I've had that same experience too. That's why I created a completely free label reading guide to help you demystify what's really in your household products. My guide zeroes in on the top three most harmful ingredients you need to look out for, making it easier than ever to spot and avoid them. Armed with this guide, you'll feel empowered, capable of making informed decisions for your household, knowing that you're protecting your family from potential toxins. So are you ready to be a master of label reading? Visit freelabelreadingguide.com to download your guide now. Together, we can make clean living truly easy and transform our homes into the safe havens they're meant to be. And then as far as the, we, we, I talk with my clients about really nailing down like a family vision statement, a mission statement for your family. Like you asked me, what's my mission statement for my business? Well, if I didn't have a mission statement, if I didn't have a plan, my business wouldn't get very far. But here we all go into our family life, skipping this very important step of saying like, how do we want to represent ourselves? What does our family mean to us? And this will help you and your partner stay on the same page. And drive your decision-making. It'll help, you know, inform um, your, even your expectations, right? Like going over, talking about expectations. I always say, talk to somebody, ask them to be real and honest with you about their postpartum, like let them unload on you. Don't be scared. You want to come into it expecting the worst, but hoping for the best, right? right. Um, and then, you know, there's so many offerings now online. People can prepare, like you didn't have breastfeeding support that you could take a class online, like back then. But yeah. these women now, like it's everywhere. You really, it's easy to be informed these days. Um, figure out your parenting style and that's going to inform your decision-making for where your kid's going to sleep and your, um, you know, how you're going to feed your child. But mainly it's all a lot of preparation and mindset stuff, right? Like the mindset is so key because when we get into it, we have these um, unrealistic expectations of what motherhood is going to look like. And the resistance to what is happening is what causes the struggle. You're, you're in your head, you just cannot grasp that this is normal. <laughs> you weren't expecting it. And so, so many of us are like, you know, I'm stuck on my couch, baby's on the boob, or my baby won't sleep. My baby only wants to be on me. And it's like, all these women are 
freaking out about it, but it's completely a normal experience. <laughs> and right. when we, so it's a lot of just mindset and, and accepting that like, hey, you're signing up to have a baby. This is what that looks like. It's not just like pretty dress sitting on a pumpkin. Like, you know, what we imagine in our heads when we're pregnant is like, oh, it's going to be so sweet and cute. And look how adorable this little headband is. But the reality of it is you're, you're giving up a lot when you have a kid a lot and, and then it's a lot of freedom. And, um, and if you're not careful, you, you really can lose it all. Right. And, and that's why you hear women all the time saying, I lost myself in motherhood. I'm drowning in motherhood because we don't prioritize self-care. And that's a lot of what I talk about. And I don't talk about like the typical self-care of, you know, go take a bubble bath. Like, yeah, that's nice or do it if you can, but self-care, this is the example I always use. Um, it's a yoga class because I'm a yoga person also. So getting to a yoga class is the self-care, not doing the yoga. Doing the yoga is easy, but all the stuff that has to happen for a new mom to get to a yoga class, that's what I work with them on. So you're setting your life up so that you can practice self-care. But if you've set yourself up where you've um, taken on all the responsibility of parenting, again, this happens for women when they are struggling mentally, because they are afraid to let someone else care for their baby. They're afraid of the repercussions of if there's no nap or whatever will happen. So um, it's a lot of mindset of like, other people can care for your baby. Even if it's not the way you're going to do it, other people can load the dishwasher, even if that's not the way you're going to do it. Um, So I think women, a lot of times get ourselves into trouble because we don't release, we don't let go of the reins. And if anyone had said that to me, you know, before I had my baby, uh, I probably would have resisted that idea. I'd be like, no, no, I asked for help. But once I was in it, uh-uh. I was like, I'm not, I got it all. I'm doing it. I do it the right way. You're too much trouble. So I also am a fair play uh, facilitator. And are you familiar with fair play, the fair play oh. method? Uh-uh. So um, the fair play method is absolutely brilliant. And this is another thing everyone should do. So you, there's a Hulu doc- documentary everyone should watch. Um, and then it's a book and it's a set of cards. There's a hundred cards in the deck and it, covers every single task that it takes to run a household. And so I work with clients to set up fair play in their home before the baby comes because it makes all the invisible work that we do to run a household visible. And that way you and your partner, you sit down and you go, all right, I've got these tasks, you've got these tasks. And this way, this way mom can focus on recovery and bonding and learning to breastfeed or learning to do whatever she needs to do. So that she's not only sitting there going to so many, right? We get into it and we're like, there's when am I supposed to get stuff done? Who am I going to get stuff done? Right. And like, that was the big stressor for so many of us. And um, we don't, we shouldn't be having to do that because like you said earlier in other countries, it's, this is recognized like, no, those first months are for bonding and resting and healing period. Right. Um, so right. that's we, just I think so much. Are expected to do it all, or we think we're expected to do it all. Yeah. And if we can just kind of ground ourselves and know this time is supposed to be for bonding and resting and healing and all of this other stuff has has to happen but being prepared for that I love Mm -hmm. that fair play I've never heard of that that's amazing oh yeah it's amazing Um, being prepared (laughs) for that will make the transition a lot easier and if everybody's on the same page then you're not having Mm -hmm. to force those conversations where they're already they already happened so yes exactly because you know this is where then you get the resentment creeping into the relationship. And then, then there's a whole other level of problems. Then it's like, okay, not only am I struggling with becoming a new mom, but now my relationship is in, in tr- trouble. 
And, you know, um, so are you familiar with the Gottman Institute? The, um, they're like relationship experts. They've been researching yes. couples for like 50 years. So um, I'm also bringing baby home uh, educator through the Gottman Institute. And one of the main things that struck me when I first was like, I got to get certified with these people was 67%. So two thirds of new couples like report a decline in relationship satisfaction within the first three years after a baby arrives. And it's like, something's missing then, right? Like this shouldn't be the case. And we know what the case is. We know that because we don't have paid parental leave in this country, one father, one parent is going back to work. Normally the father, the woman is home. She's got to figure it all out on her own. So by the time he gets home from work, it's like, I'm just doing it. So he doesn't know. So then there she is left to do everything all the time for the eternity of their relationship. And if you don't mindfully set it up so that it doesn't happen that way, you, so like postpartum, you just kind of fall into systems and habits, right? And they're typically systems and habits that don't serve you. So that's why you have to do it ahead of time when your mind is straight, <laughs> right, right? You're not overwhelmed and exhausted. And the, but again, like I said, it's the, so easy, right? Like none of this is rocket science. This is very simple stuff, but we don't prioritize it because again, we don't talk about it. And so people don't realize that it's important. Well, and I think the message that I'm getting here is prepare for the worst and expect the best, you know? So if you're prepared for the worst, and it doesn't happen, at least you have these things in place to help support you. And most oftentimes you're avoiding a catastrophe because you have put in that preparation, but just knowing that, you know, putting the time into that initially yeah. when, when you are pregnant and you do have a little bit more time, yeah. you know, everyone thinks that, oh, that won't happen to me, but the right. statistics show that it's very likely to exactly. happen to you. So why not prepare for that? You know, exactly. you just don't know. Right. Yeah. And, and that's the thing that um, I, I wish. So here's the other thing. There are some women that, yes, they're not going to have a hard time because there are women who are just, yeah, very laid back. They aren't, um, they're more able to allow other people to help. They don't have this like perfectionism gene that a lot of us have. And so, yeah, I'm not going to sit here and say everyone needs to do this hardcore preparation. But if you are the kind of person who's little bit of a control freak or a type A personality, or you know, you already lean towards anxious or depressed, or you have been diagnosed with these things, then absolutely there are steps you can take. And I really find that it's irresponsible that so many care providers and therapists even, and just don't say this to women. Like they don't say straight up, listen, I know your personality, you might struggle. You should really do X, Y, Z so you can prepare yourself because it's not necessary. Uh, it's not necessary for so many people to be struggling behind closed doors. And the other thing is, like, I think a lot of people say, well, how hard can it be? People have been having babies since the beginning of time. Yeah, like, I was going to say, I mean, that's typically what people say. <laughs> right. But, but, but we weren't having babies like this. Right now, we have babies behind closed doors. So we aren't seeing other mothers' mother. We aren't seeing mothers give birth. We aren't seeing mothers breastfeed. We aren't seeing other people do it. So when we start doing it, we are completely new. And also I say, I was a teacher, right? So I took, I went to college, I did practicums, I did student teaching, I took tests, I got a license. I started teaching and the first month or two, I was like, I have no idea what I'm doing. I was completely clueless, right? It's a on the job training, just like parenting is. But with parenting, we don't do any 
preparation right. so ahead it's of like time. Being made like totally in the blind. Right. So like, <laughs> if I had gone into teaching day one without doing any preparation, like, oh my God, how hard would that have been? And of course, it's ridiculous to think of it, but why are we doing it? Parenting is so much more important. Like, <laughs> we're totally skipping the preparation piece. And again, we don't see it. So of course it was easier back in the day when you saw your grandmothers and your aunts and your cousins and your sisters, but we don't see it now. And so we don't know what we're doing. (laughs) Yeah, no, that's true. And I think the big thing that I, what, that I took away from what you have been talking about is just that the, the focus should be on supporting you in that next phase and not the stuff, which is totally opposite to what we are and what the the quote norm is Mm -hmm. and I think that's great that there's this resource that you the beherevillage.com I think that is amazing amazing excited for more people to know about that and like the fair play thing lots of amazing so we're gonna have to wrap it up but I am so so (laughs) grateful that we had this conversation I think it's gonna help so many women okay so one thing that you want people to take away from this episode and then also let us know how um, people can get in touch with you Okay. So one thing I want everyone to take away is that you can absolutely be more prepared for baby. So when people say I'm as ready as I'll ever be, I'm like, no, you are not. You can be more prepared. Um, and they can get in touch with me from on Instagram. I'm Tiff D and it's D-E-E dot postpartum strategist. Um, and then on TikTok, where I get a little bit more um, ragey sometimes, I am anxiety-free postpartum over there. And Facebook, anxiety-free postpartum. Awesome. Okay, great. Yeah, definitely check out Tiff's um, handles. She's got a lot of really great content and um, information there. So I will make sure to put all of your links in the show notes so people can get in touch with you. So thanks again for being here. This was really amazing. Thank you so much, Jess. Thanks for listening to the Clean Living Made Easy podcast. If you want more, head over to cleanlivingmadeeasypodcast.com for show notes and links to all the products or discount codes mentioned in today's episode. If you'd like to be notified when new podcast episodes are released or to join the Clean Product Junkie community, head over to cleanproductjunkie.com and join our mailing list. See you in the next episode.